Welcome to Spiritful Wanderings. In this episode, we explore the topic of wildness with a new Azrael. Courtney and I were fortunate to have a conversation with Anu that was rather untamed about reclaiming our essence and rediscovering our inner wildness. Anu is a dear friend of Courtney's who's also building the Wild Heart Meditation Center in Norfolk, England. I've trained around quite a few different fields of therapy in the last 15 years. And um, I mean, the biggest one, I would say the biggest passion one for me was family constellations and uh, somatic experiencing coming a close second, mainly because my teacher in family constellations was also doing somatic experiencing and that's why I trained in that in the first place. I've gone through a lot of confusion about how to be myself. Um, And... um, not wanting to walk the path already walked by others, but wanting to go off through the bushes where no one has walked before. And I thought that that looked like um, having an approach that I name and that I work out principles to. And I kind of, you know, it's almost like fashioning something from my ideas, uh, so I was really trying to do that for about three or four years. Um, and when I moved here about six months ago, it actually started around the, the time of the beginning of the pandemic. I started listening to John O'Donoghue. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know about his writings, uh, but mm-hmm. he's on. I was listening to him on Audible obsessively during the first, <laughs> the first cycle of the pandemic and spending every day in the forest. And mm. his words, or shall we say the consciousness that his words point towards and the connectedness with nature uh, in the last year have kind of blown me open, mm. I would say. Um, and since I moved here to Wildheart, it's, it's, there's a lot of stillness in the space that I'm living right now. Um, And my whole life until six months ago, I had been doing everything that was not sitting and being still meditation. I would do Mm -hmm. Osho active meditation, five rhythms, dance, movement, medicine, uh, you name it. As long as it involved movement, I would do it. If it was involving me sitting in one space and doing nothing and just watching my breath, no, (laughs) not not, going to happen. Unless I'm running a workshop, then I can do it <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or holding a space for others. But holding, uh-huh. that, holding that stillness space for myself was always a challenge for me. Uh-huh. So, so since I moved here, I started meditating daily and really coming into deeper relationship with stillness in nature mm. and, and just gave up trying actually. And now I feel like what I'm offering is is meditation, actually. I realized that family constellations is not so important. Mm. What's important is meditation. Mm. And I, 
I think somebody who meditates every day and knows nothing about family constellations is in a much better space than somebody who does a lot of family constellations and never has a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think we can really get stuck in the therapy world. We can really get yeah. we can we can really get stuck in going around cycles of feeling. For you know? sure. Yeah, it's and, easy to um, get stuck in so many places as well inside of yourself when you're constantly on the inside. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It's yeah. such an art like, form. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, and then you know, and then it's so funny. Like sometimes some people they their only thing has been meditation, and that can be a place they get stuck too right? And not knowing how to work with the patterns or the, but I really well, love the, every time you say the word stillness, I'm like, oh, that's has to be my favorite thing about living in the woods and like living in a place where there isn't, it's just how quiet and then how alive it is within the quiet, but just like that place where the nervous system can just really come into the moment. Such good medicine. Yeah. I really loved how you just, when you started talking and you, you said, how confusing it's been for you to find out what you are and who you are and how to be mm -hmm. in the world. And I resonate with that so deeply because for me, I was raised basically in an institution from the time I was six months old. And so for me, you know, this is what life is. And when that happens to us, so young there it's so difficult to understand what we are and who we are and how to harmonize with the great order of the cosmos when all we've been done mm. is been plucked from that and truly to me the learning of of being wild is for children is to be in that environment as much as possible in nature from the time they're young to create that relationship so, I mean, there's so mm -hmm. much that can be said about this and what we could do to rewild and reconnect. And it sounds like you're starting that path and you're finding your steps along the way. So I'm just wondering, um, you know, what did your life start like and how did you come to this place of deciding that nature and meditation is what's going to help you to return to that grand design that you're a part of in life. I think it's, I've, I've all, I, I have always been here. That's the thing. It's not that I suddenly mm -hmm. found myself uh, in, in the essence of nature. Like I have always been here. Um, I think there's just been some other psychological part uh, standing in the way of me being able to experience that I am here. A lot of life experiences with different teachers and different things to thank for my returning to essence and appreciating more deeply nature. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so happy and I'm so appreciative that I did not have to die to learn this, like physically, that I could remember this without leaving this body. I, I feel so grateful for that. Mm. Because I think many people live their whole lives. And I imagine I don't know, I imagine the only way they're able to really return to this essence is through death. For, for one reason or the other, I think we all carry a different fate 
in a way. So I, I feel deeply appreciative to to have found nature again. And I, yeah, I think it make it makes things more simple. <laughs> in a way, it feels like it. It feels like it makes things more simple. Like I don't. My, I feel. I feel like my perspective on life or my perspective on living has suddenly become very simple. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like what's really important is actually very simple. You know, like being with the stillness of who I am and experiencing my own essence in nature. And then there isn't anything else. <laughs> it's like, that's the whole story. There's no book to write. Mm. It's just like one line or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I just, I just love what you're saying there too, about um, just as you're speaking, I was just seeing this image of this place of, I love how you're speaking of essence in nature um, and in relation to wildness. It's like, this idea, I think, that still exists in so many ways of essence being something that is separate from the primal or separate from the wild or separate from nature. And I love just feeling that vibration in you as you're sharing of like the essence is nature, that, that nature is our essence, that it's in, in, in our nature that our essence lies, that, that that is it and that there isn't anywhere to get to or to go to, that it is, yes. it is right here. And um Ooh, like even when I say that, I get this burst in my chest. Yeah, and so I do I. Feel, uh-huh, it's just so like, it's like that place where there, yeah, there isn't anywhere to find, there isn't anywhere to go. And even as you say that, like to not have to die, I think of this, this place where there's been such an infiltration in consciousness around mm, feeling like our primal wild self is not that. And it's interesting how it's actually in nature that we find that that it, the primal and the nature and the is is the essence. And so, yeah, just allowing ourselves to breathe that in. There's like a landing and a a centering in that, and such an aliveness in that space that I'm feeling. And I know for me that has literally been my entire journey of of my soul has just been knowing that place and really wanting to build from that place of um, the essence of nature in me, you know, and that that's actually what led, led me to somatics and led me to constellations work was more from how do I support myself to be in that in all ways, in all the ways that I'm relating with the world, you know, yeah, well, and and I, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on this and you, but I know for me what led me, because I kind of moved from that place of this, like being in nature and spending a lot of time in stillness. And then what led me into exploring these other places was finding when I was sitting in that place, all the places in me that would separate from that or move away or dissociate or from nature or from my essence or from earth or from my wild self, like from the wild moment, um, because of trauma and things that were in the field. And I feel like so much of my journey has just been how to clear some of that from my field so that I can just be in that wild, in the moment discovering of, or, or not even, it's not even a discovering, it's like an in the moment experience of essence, wildness. So I'm just curious, um, what your experience of that has been as you've landed in that 
space more and more at this new uh, wild hearts how are you being with whatever stuff emerges in that stillness it's something about um deconditioning myself from this idea that i need to do something in order to get back somewhere mm-hmm. um and coming into a space of recognizing who i am what i am and from where i came that's it Rec- recognition is recognition there's no doing um there is action sometimes we need to make effort we cannot just surrender that's it that's often a spiritual bypass used in the new age circles that uh oh, i'm just waiting you know until life blah 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 it's like no sometimes we have to do something and make effort um and and uh, having said that there are many there have been many times on in my journey where i have tried really hard in many ways to connect with something and then finally i have connected with it but it wasn't through trying that i connected to it but i i wonder if the process of trying <laughs> what helped me to arrive to the not trying anymore <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so it's not like yeah everything is and mm, everything is relevant somehow everything is included almost almost when you when you say those words i think of it's like um it's this like spontaneous in the moment receiving of the moment that moves through yeah something keeps something keeps coming in so i'm going to name it yeah um the degree of my um willingness to listen to you as women mm. the the relationship between that and the reclamation of wildness yeah because actually at the i feel like at the cultural level shall we say the societal cultural global kind of level um obviously the the trauma was the destruction of paganism and the oncoming of the the major the major religions and patriarchy there's something about listening listening to the feminine uh whether that means the feminine in the other or the female the wisdom of the feminine the wisdom of the female but not as a reaction not as a as an angry reaction against patriarchy not as a way to reject the major religions and embrace the i think if we reject when we reject something we lose basically um if we reject something we lose so this is why one of the reasons why i love john o'donoghue so much because he is both a catholic priest and a celtic pagan and mm. and he and he speaks out of that integration that for me is a great example of true mysticism where you can fully embrace the patriarch and at the same time be in a deep bowing motion to to the to the feminine like mm. they they don't contradict one another mm-hmm. they 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 give birth to aliveness and shall we say wildness you know mm. the, the true experience of wildness which 
which is also deeply, deeply vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Deeply vulnerable. Without, I was thinking about this earlier about the difference between wildness and chaos, because some, I think, to the naked ear, sometimes you could say, "Oh, yeah, it's kind of the same thing," but actually, I really don't think it's the same thing. Um, chaos feels more like the lack of something; it's the lack of order, whereas wildness, in a way, is more like essence. It's the essence of something that was, that is. It's it was here and it is here and it has always been here. The question is, do we recognise that? Are mm-hmm. we able to recognise that in ourselves first and foremost? Um, and how do we relate to our own wildness? How do we relate to this essence of wildness? Mm-hmm. Um, do we do we really fully honour that in ourselves? Do we honour our own, our own impulse towards it? Um, I love I love what you're what what you shared there Anu. it feels like it segues into where I, when you reached out about the idea of talking about wildness what I was working through is is my journey as a feminine and um my relationship with wildness has been interesting because I would say that throughout my life I really kept a lot of my wildness in a lot of ways. Like I had a strong relationship to it. And there's a lot, there's an interesting, I've been really dissecting this in my own lineage of why and where that came from. And one piece of this is I had a grandmother who she was from the Catholic church lineage and had lots of priests and nuns in her, um, in her lineage. So she would, there was a heavy inundation of that, um, the patriarchy, you know, in her lineage. And she really re- revolted against that. Like she, she, she really found this place in her she, where she was like pushing away. And so what that looked like for me as a girl is I'd go to my grandmother's and it was like we were making jewelry out of things from the woods and we were walking in skin shoes and feeling our feet on the earth. And there was a lot of wildness in her. There was a lot of like, um, re- like what I, how I understand it, it was there was this kind of like pendulum swinging of her wanting to refine the feminine, like the mother. And so I really got to experience that in her realm and, and also to be celebrated in my own like there was a lot of running wild in the woods, you know, there was a lot of, and being celebrated for that, being celebrated for following my impulses. And, and so throughout my life, I mean, of course, there's been parts of me that were had to cope and et cetera, et cetera. But I often, it was like, I, I was, I kept this wildness, even in school, like there was this part of me that would not, you know, just follow the rules, or I like, I would speak up about what I felt I'd speak up about, like, there was this place in me that there was this, like, untamableness, you know, and I really, and it was coming from my, it was coming from my essence. Um, And then, but then it's been so interesting as an, as I've spent so much, like my 20s and everything of just really building this relationship with my essence and that wildness and moving from instinct and moving from deeper places. And where I've landed at is this place where I'm also recognizing that place of me in me of pushing against the masculine or pushing against the patriarchy or pushing against um, some of the other parts of consciousness. Um, almost like the, the vision I get is the wild feminine running wild in the woods. And there is this invitation to um, 
be curious about how to build the the healing between that and let's say the church or that and the priest or that and the, the masculine. And it's interesting because I feel in me, that is what I'm healing is how do I bring that wildness into, into structure or into discipline or into, and not that that wasn't there in the wildness, but how do I bring it into interfacing with that masculine energy? And so I love that you just brought this up is this like listening to the feminine. And then my journey is how am I, where do I listen to the masculine in that wild place? And so I don't know if either of you have thoughts or ideas about that. Well, um, when you speak to uh, the ways that you've preserved your wildness in your life uh-huh. and the ways that showed up. I mean, for me, as I work a new, as a, a educator in a program called self-design, which is for children who are learning outside of the general educational system, they're essentially able to stay wild in the program. So what I want to speak to is the strength that I see in the children that I've worked with and even the kids, you know, that are still in the system, the ways that children are developing strategies to resist being uh, institutionalized or told that, you know, they need to be filled in a certain way or need to be a certain way in the world, that that those natural expressions are not acceptable. They need to be managed. Um, I see a lot of things that happen in schools, such as, you know, uh, withdrawal and inattention. Like we've got this, you know, ADHD epidemic happening right now. And I mean, I think it's all just attempts of the natural organism of the human to, to resist and to push back against what's trying to contain it. So I just wanted to say that I just think that as humans, as part of nature, that we are generally not containable, that mm-hmm. that we strive to be in harmony with the great cosmos and this, you know, divine mother that's here to be our great guide in our hearts. And so that's what's so confusing for me with this, this huge shift that has to happen for us to move through all of that. I mean, that's enormous that what we have to overcome from early imprinting in order to find out who we really are. And it's amazing when you meet people that had such a courageous heart that were able to show up in that and to hang on to pieces of themselves. Perhaps they had someone like you had Courtney in their lives that could show them, reflect to them their wildness and allow them to have that. So I see us moving through that at this point, but it's like, it's cracking little pieces off of this big wall that we've created. And I'm wondering where humanity is going to go from this point on to continue to dismantle what we've created and return to something what, what will that look like? Is it, does it have to be catastrophic on the outside or can it be like what a new saying, if we can just find a place to sit and find that mm-hmm. in ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so interesting. Cause when I, when I had this, I had this vision when I was at my women's group 
it was me as a girl running wild through the woods. And then I saw my adult me just kind of like taking her hand and saying, now it's time to sit and just to look up at the stars and just to like breathe that in. And in my inner being, that really represents maybe a masculine energy of um, that vertical, like the vertical axis as opposed to the horizontal, you know, the horizontal being this, the relational world and the constellations and the, and that like sitting and being like this vertical connection to something. And, and I love what you're saying and you about this place of just being and coming to this essence. It almost feels like this place where we're not trying to fight or we're not having to fight or we're not having to change anything. We just are able to be what it is we are, which is, for it, it, as as I say that, I feel like it's this place of the the masculine, the feminine, just finding this this balance, this still point, this truth that always is. I love how you said it, it always is; it never was not. But then there's kind of this great journey that our consciousnesses went on in some way to integrate all of that. I'd love to just hear what you have to say. I'm just sitting with a piece from you mentioning your grandmother and I wonder if I can mm. share that um mm. because what I hear you what I heard you talking about was this was a longing to a longing to make that connection that somehow it sounds like your grandmother was unable to make it, she made she made connection with nature but mm -hmm. somehow she lost connection with something more masculine yes exactly and and and, and, and yes yeah so, so if just looking at that from kind of like a classical family constellation perspective, it's really about um, asking your grandmother for the blessing to do something a little different than her mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and being willing to give up a certain loyalty to her. Yes, I've been, I've been going through that, that process for sure. And um Yes. And, and, and just continuing the healing of that, like the overall healing of like the pendulum swing, you know, and the way that she reclaimed something. And then I got to harvest that. And then the next step is this like mm -hmm. coming back into something yes. that's more integrated. Yeah. More integrated. Yeah. 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 And I imagine yeah. she, she smiles on you making that next step. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's really happy that you make that next step. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Mm. Well, and I think I think that the the two pieces that I learned there, which is what I'm hearing and what you're saying, Rochelle, and is this place of how do we be, be our wild selves and belong in society? Like, you know, like this, I think, is the how do we be our wild selves and belong to systems and structures that exist? Well, um, mm -hmm. well, what I hear you saying is how do I belong to spirit and belong to my family both? Yeah in a way and well this i think is a, that that's how it's manifesting in me but i also see it well, in a bigger sense a bigger sense this too. is a, this is a, a, an inquiry that at some level yeah. comes up in every single family constellation that one might try to, to open up with right. anyone right. actually yeah because everyone has this idea about what love is uh people mm -hmm. think we have this idea that love means at the unconscious level being loyal to a pattern of suffering 
mm-hmm. of the past of the past of the family mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. my so my father has a specific illness or disease and so i have to have that illness or disease because my love for him is so great yeah, oh, yeah. so so what this is about waking up from that idea that love means i need to do the same that my family did so for you that's moving beyond the idea of rebelling against the, the, the patriarch the same way that your grandmother did and moving to a space mm. of um you know taking that next step and 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 knowing that you still belong because that's mm-hmm. what it means to receive a blessing from a grandparent a blessing mm-hmm. means you are my grandchild you will belong to this family no matter what you do mm-hmm. there are no mm-hmm. conditions that that's mm-hmm. love love mm-hmm. that's that's love and blessing is that there are no conditions but we get caught up in this idea that we have to do something the same and we all do it you know it's not like we can know that and then suddenly we stop doing it it's an unconscious mechanism mm-hmm. of the soul mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. A, a, and a constant process to come to to come out of it in a way mm-hmm. um so yeah that make, it makes me think about when I worked at, for a long time, I worked in the hospital in Edmonton and I was so frustrated because I didn't know how to, how to be in that structure and bring the, my white like and how to navigate that. And then I had done a lot of work and done a lot of this constellations work and I ended up working in the hospital again. And what was really neat about it is there's kind of this story, like you can't work in the hospital and take care of yourself and have self care. And, you know, like this is kind of the narrative, the narrative of the story. And so I, I just, the first day I went into the supervisor and I said, the only way I can do this job is if I'm allowed to go into the woods as many times as I want throughout the day. And you just trust that I'm going to get my job, my work done. And I was shocked because she was like, oh, I love that idea, you know, and the narrative <laughs> would have been like, that, what? Like, and I'm going in there and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is. And so, so ensued this journey of me working in the hospital and I was out in the woods more often than I was in the hospital, you know, and just following that wild part in me, bringing sticks into the, like there was this whole thing. But that's, what was very, magic- that's, that's really beautiful. Talk about a yeah. bridge, hey, between institution yeah. and wild. <laughs> yeah. And what was so fascinating for me though, and this is, I think what you're speaking to, Anu, is instead of everybody else like saying, oh, well, now you don't belong or becoming this thing, I think because of the energy with which I was holding it, Instead, it like inspired people and people just, it just was accepted. And what I saw in that moment was this illusion in my mind that like, because the system is like this, then it means I can't do this, 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 this. this. Mm -hmm. And it was this moment of like, oh my God, all of us could be doing that right now. It's just our own, like, I love what you're saying, our own sense of loyalty or our own sense Mm -hmm. of this is how I have to be that gets in the way. Sure. There's so many times I've heard people say, you know, um, well, of course my kid's going to go to school. I went to school and my grandparents went to school. And like, it's like, (laughs) they don't even take a moment, right. To question. I wonder, I wonder if there's a courageous way to just explore a little option. That's just a step outside of that. Just see what else there is bringing the forest into the hospital, bringing nature into your the basis of your schooling. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really love, I really love this conversation that's happening right now because I'm also when I begin to witness what we are speaking about uh, from from a wider 
I begin to recognize that both of you are speaking from parts of me that I'm actually engaging <laughs> right now. Uh, like, yeah. um, and, and they're deeply connected actually. Um, so one of the, one of the, the actually I'm, I'm, I have a family constellation session with Berthold Osama tomorrow morning. And, uh, it's, it's about my struggle, uh, it, uh engaging with the idea of having to apply for planning permission for opening a meditation center. Yeah. Because I find it very stressful engaging with governmental agencies, mm -hmm. and this, the the whole idea of um, illegitimate um, regulations, uh, shall we say, illegitimate authority or regulations that don't make logical sense or rational sense drive me up the wall. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I get that. I get that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a real, it's a real, it's a real challenge for me. And and, um, and in what you're saying about this, about this experience you had in a hospital, and then also asking for what you need going to the forest, it kind of reminds me that wow, I don't have to approach that planning process from necessarily a very, a kind of a, a normal normal way like I can be creative with the way that I approach it in order that I can get what I need and mm. it was as if I needed to be reminded of that and then at the same time that I feel like the deeper root of of that what this issue that I'm experiencing right now is is has a large a large um is largely affected by my that in school from 11 to 16, I had an undis, uh, un, was it called un, no, not un, diagnosed, undiagnosed. I think I had un, undiagnosed ADHD, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and I had a real, real difficulty in my uh, secondary education because of that, because I constantly felt like I was being asked to participate in something that was completely alien to me, and that I literally felt was impossible. Um, and I feel like I, I, I carried that, mm -hmm. I, I carried that experience of being asked to participate in something that's impossible into my adult life. And so now I, now anything to do with like mainstream education mm -hmm. or governmental agencies or like red tape or regulations that don't make sense. I have avoided like the plague since uh -huh. I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah. So thank you, because <laughs> I feel like I'm. This is already a constellation happening right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm just envisioning you showing up to whatever meeting or whatever person that you have to meet, and bringing something completely different to that situation, and mm -hmm. offering perhaps a part of yourself that's not loyal to that traumatized piece of you. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm. this is and you know just to throw this question because this is what i've been wondering is what what does authority and structure and rules let's say what do those look like from wildness you know and this is like a question i'm i'm holding like what do those look like because I, I, I know in myself, I kind of separated them like, oh, okay, well, this, um, you know, is like authority and rules and discipline, blah, 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 is just like, you know, not wild. And then this is wild. What I'm recognizing is there absolutely are structures and discipline and authority oh, that are wild, but yeah, what does just, that look like? 
Yeah, I've, I've got something here. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what what I start what I start thinking about is is this relationship between the reptilian part of the brain and the neocortex, and uh-huh. and also recognizing the importance of listening to the inner survivor. Yeah, uh, mm. the importance of listening to the inner survivor because actually the inner survivor is in control of what we experience in each and every moment. And if I stop listening to my inner survivor then the inner survivor will take over and hijack my essence and my consciousness to the point that I end up being stuck in my mm-hmm. ego. So, yeah. Yeah. so in a way, the, the inner survivor is part of the neocortex, the part that, that comes in and feels like they need to control the situation in order to keep things safe, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the, the wildness is more like the reptilian brain. It, it, it's not deciding anything. It's just, it's just instinctually being, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the way that the body shakes when you experience a trauma, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it doesn't decide to do that. It just does it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I do feel like that this is a, the, an edge in my own consciousness is I'm finding this place where there is a place of structure and authority and, but when, what, what I find is when it's rooted in that more reptilian, like the, or the wildness and the any essence, I find it's more, what is it, um, responsive to life. Instead of limiting of life, there's, it's like responsive and alive, perhaps. Yes. Like it's like, a res, it's like responsive and considerate, but it also recognizes that the river needs banks, you know? Yes. It like, yes. you know, it recognizes that like, there is, um, in, or like intention, like how important intention and clarity of intention is to create a container for something specific to happen. You know, even thinking in family constellations, it's so alive and in the moment and it's an emerging thing, but there are certain orders and principles that are needed to allow the actual healing to take place or to allow yes. the reorganizing. You know, if you just had a constellation with no orders, it would just keep running the same patterns, really, I would assume, or some of them might shift, but some of them not, or, you know, and um, this is an interesting exploration of, mm-hmm. of structure that's not disconnected, you know. Uh, there's, a, there's a really big piece here, mm. and I'm aware this is strong language, because when I've said this sometimes before, it, it's really activating, and I understand mm. why, and I understand that I'm a, I am a white British male saying this. Um, so in a way, it's easy for me to say it and to understand it, but I understand it lands differently in others. Um, but I feel like there's a deep relationship between the capacity to own our wildness and bowing in submission, in a kind of submission to the mm-hmm. patriarch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like deeply honoring the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that took away that piece of soul from humanity in the first place. Wow! Yeah. And wow. so many of us are caught up in this idea. The idea. I'm not. I'm. 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 Let's. I'm staying on the psychological level here. I'm not getting political. Yeah. But we get caught in the idea that at the psychological level, fascism is wrong. Mm. And that that has a spiritual. That has an effect spiritually. I'm not saying that it's right. 
Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's the point. But mm-hmm. I'm also not saying that it's wrong. You're sort of saying loosening a little bit around these ideals so that we can move within them and actually have them move from the inside out from yes submitting or loosening to yes yeah mm-hmm. so we can move actually mm-hmm. very simply mm-hmm. we can move mm-hmm. because because mm-hmm. that which we reject we become so if we yeah. if we if we stay stood <laughs> in this culture of rejecting fascism we remain fascist mm-hmm. you know yeah you can that, really see that with what's happening in the world right now <laughs> yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah and i want to also speak to you know, like with the work that I'm doing in education and how the program that I'm in is bridging the ministry, you know, this overarching body that says that children need to learn this by this point and and it has to look a certain way, that when we can create other structures with different containers that can fit somehow within the old paradigm, but bridge somehow, so it's just this slight metamorphosis and offering to say, hey, I see those structures, I honor that. And here's another little container that we could try out that honors where we've come from and shifts it a bit. You know, I've seen this all over the place. I see this with people and how they're building their houses these days, um, who are able to still get engineer approved, approved drawings, but it's this incredibly unique structure so it's taking the box and it's creating the conic or the new shape or the new design mm. that's now moving that really rigid system. It's it's loosening it and it's moving it a little bit over here. And I think it's it's hopeful because we can make change without everything toppling, without chaos. And it's it's offerings to just take tiny steps that will that gradually loosen those structures from the inside out. Mm. Yes, yes. And I imagine the more that you can frame the current system in a really positive way, genuinely, the more your presence is going to offer to those children that you work with, because because your presence will naturally begin to facilitate the movement that needs to happen in them. And any Mm. level of you rejecting the system as it is, they will pick up on and they will copy that at an unconscious mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what happens in family constellations very often as well, is that facilitators who have not really moved beyond their parents are facilitating or trying to facilitate a movement in others that they have not yet made themselves. It's, it's, and it's, it's a, it's diff. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's, it's different. It's different. There's more doing involved when you haven't moved beyond mm. yourself. Yeah. When you have, yeah, yeah. you don't need to do anything. You just just yeah. being there is enough. Like yeah. being 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 with the clients or the children or whatever the context is we're talking about, it's enough to facilitate that movement because we've moved in that way too. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I love that. It really brings it back to what you said at the very start about the meditation and the inner work and finding that in yourself as the beginning place of offering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really sharing what's going on for me. Like I'm really not interested anymore in this kind of separation in the therapist role. Like, mm-hmm. like, of course you have to be, uh, there are boundaries you have to hold around certain pieces of information about yourself that you, that you, that may not be appropriate to what's going on for the client. Um, 
but I, I, I want to offer what I feel most inspired by in a way. And what I get most inspired by, by others is when others really take the risk of exposing themselves. You know, mm-hmm. that is, to me, that's the most inspiring thing is when people really take the risk mm-hmm. of expose, exposing themselves and showing that it's safe. Because for me, that's leadership. When someone just puts it all on the line without any kind of second thought, mm-hmm. that's like, I bow to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love, what, I love what you're saying there because I feel like the, I noticed that in myself, like a leader who like opens and allows, allows that humanness and allows the, because when you said, you know, wildness really requires vulnerability. Yeah. Like major, major vulnerability. And when we think of leadership, you know, I've, there's kind of this leadership where it's like, I've got it all together and I know all the answers and I, you know, and then there's the leadership where it's like, I'm full of wisdom and I'm evolving in this moment being, who is experiencing and expressing and discovering too, you know? And this is where I feel like that relational field of the wildness comes in is like, is actually in two beings sitting in that wildness together that now something can really move, you know? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I can notice like that little irk in me that clearly is my next thing <laughs> is this place where I get like about like about encountering leadership or spiritual leaders or whatever that is where they're it's like they've got it figured out and you know you're the person who's just this human that's trying to like you know <laughs> and this is this is my place this is my place yeah I do believe there's also space for that that's the thing Mm. Um, and I do believe there's also especially space for that when one is holding the opposite position. You know, I, I feel like sometimes there's this culture in, in, in the facilitator world of or, or, or many different therapeutic approaches that people who, um, facilitators who still have a lot of unresolved issues with author- with, with authority and the patriarch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Embrace, embrace this more radically inclusive way of facilitating as a way of kind of hiding themselves from having to kind of touch that pain body. Yes. Mm. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and not, and, you mean not stepping into their own authority or their own, um, is that what you mean? I mean, having this idea that one should not challenge one from a place of knowing. Yes. 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 You know, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, is it possible to like, one can do both. One can challenge yes. someone from a space of knowing and then hold a really broad, unknowing space for whatever fallout that creates. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and that, and I know for me as a facilitator, it's my capacity to move between those places mm. and to embody all of those places when it's needed in the field. Yes. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to really be like, here's where real clarity and this is going to be really uncomfortable. And here's where, ah, now there needs to be a spaciousness and this willingness to embody all those places. But really, in a way, for me anyways, there is a vulnerability to being able, like there's a vulnerability to being able to be in all those spaces because then you're not attached to any of them. And that's, to me, that's the vulnerability is even in that strong authoritative place or in that place of challenge, there's a vulnerability because 
it's not coming from my ego necessarily deciding this is what I think. It's coming from I surrender to that this is what's needed in this moment. So it yeah. feels like it, it still has this vulnerability to it yes. because it's like alive and it's unknown and it's like, um, and it can be so fierce and clear and so needed. Yes, yes, know? yes. It's like, what does the field need from me right now? And then yeah. the field needs me to be myself. And yeah. then it's like, oh, but wait, I'm not one thing. No, I'm, a- I'm actually fluid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How amazing is that? <laughs> yeah I mean yeah, it's amazing things. it's amazing to me because I think very often so very often I have got caught up in um like identification like who I think I am it's like in identification like I identify with a way of being that I think is who I am you know mm-hmm. and so then the field asks me oh can you do that and I'm like, um, that doesn't resonate with what I'm identified with right now. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I don't, I don't I like doing that part. So I'm just going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't like field, doing that part. <laughs> but the, but the, field is, the field is trying to challenge me out of the identification and remind me, uh, you're not just that. You know, you're also the opposite. And I want you to see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that ability to hold all those perspectives of yourself is going to be the key to helping things shift and loosen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And that's the wildness. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fluidity that's doesn't in- get stuck. Uh-huh. Fluidity mm-hmm. doesn't get stuck. And so if I'm fluidity and I'm and I also and I and I can and I I can cultivate a, a degree of consistency in no, in knowing that fluidity then i don't get stuck yeah i just talked myself into meditating <laughs> <laughs> i can see your gears turning <laughs> you're thinking pretty hard now new <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. And you know, this is this place too of just like of between like thought and and feeling, you know, thought and experience, like this place of that thought and understanding has a place in the field too. I have a question. Um yeah. I sometimes feel like there's a mixing up between wildness as a kind of rebelliousness mm-hmm. and wildness as a kind of raw vulnerable essence mm-hmm. and um how much <clears> of how I, I just wonder how much of this raw vulnerable essence that we experience in our in our lives like i think about your working with those children rochelle and to what degree do you experience this kind of like raw, vulnerable wildness in them that's still still there? It hasn't been, you know, drained out of them yet. There's still there's still access to it somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a delight to work with them because that purity is just it's like a driving force. You can see it. Mm as 
the inspiration of what we are to be, what we are meant to be, when it's not stolen away from them. Yeah. Yeah, I just see them in a place of constant discovery, constantly observing. And like they'll spend hours and hours in nature just noticing the way that the shadows reflect off of a plant, you know, like how the insects roll around inside of a flower and they find themselves in that. And it's just so exquisite that that to them is considered valuable that to them is considered worthwhile. That's considered, quote, learning. And that then they have me to step in and say, yes, that I agree is valuable learning. And you don't need to demonstrate anything to me that will meet a standard that I require of you. Just that alone is worthy. That's a worthwhile way to spend your time. But it's not that I have to say that to them. They already know. Mm. <laughs> they already know it's worthwhile. So it's a whole, it's a wholeness that you, you can see hasn't been taken away from them, essentially. I mean, when you're talking too, what I feel, I mean, this is where I think this, just with that question that you asked of you of like the rebelliousness and then like the essence, I mean, in a way, I almost feel like throughout history, often at the root of people being able to find themselves in response to institutions or, or, or oppression or whatever has been the essence inside saying, this doesn't feel right, you know, or I, you know, that I'm being told this, but my inside, it, my essence is saying to do this, you know. Um, so it all, to me, it feels like underneath rebellion is there's an essence, there's a, but then of course, what can happen on top of that is all these like fights and like all these other things that aren't the essence, you know, that have to come out to create it or the trauma over time. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like it's like underneath all of that, is the there's this essence that like can't be tamed or it's the thing that in what and and this is kind of an awe-inspiring thing about humans really is as much as we want to belong and be part of things and to be taught it's almost like an amazing thing that we also have this essence that like can can if we have access to it that can be like in the face of of you know often really dire consequences be willing to be like that doesn't fit with my essence you know like my essence is calling on something else and how that in itself has inspired so much I I think is the root of change you know or the root of why schools like this have emerged you know and like on some level it can be an act of rebellion but then also on another, it can just be a, an act. It's like the no is to the structure, the institution, but the yes is to life, to wildness, to something more true. I would, I would, I would, I would slightly rebelliously respond to that <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> by saying, um, 
No, I lost it in the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> the alchemy, the alchemy of laughter. <laughs> it's like one of those drug moments where you just get the bubble and it's like you forget what you're talking about. And it's hard, you know, the more that we get um, swept away in the things that we're working on, like, you know, constellations or therapies or for me, education, the more that we do have a tendency to to, to push against and to rebel against the aspects that are in that patriarchal order. Um, you know, because I mean, I find myself coming to places where I say, you know, just school was a bad idea to begin with. <laughs> look at what it did. Look at what it did to our society. Look at what it's done to the first nations, residential schools and all of this, you know um, it's hard for me at times to just not want to, throw it all out and say mm-hmm. you know but and now it's you know I feel the resistance of having to work with these systems that are in place to try to be fully present and connect with where I think it needs to go right like it's it's a really tough dance to hold what is and to, as you said before surrender to those old pieces that are there for some reason for us to move through and mm-hmm. to also make new offerings that that can bridge that. So, mm. I'm 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 just going to say because I, it came back to me. Mm-hmm. I ah, would nice. say I, I would say rebellion is a very beautiful and genuine attempt at reclaiming essence, but it uh-huh. it, it cannot get us there all the way. No, and and I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I and I say that from a space of spending most of my 20s and my teens in a such a deep state of rebellion that I thought it was who I was actually mm-hmm. like and so someone mm-hmm. once said to me on a therapy training at some point in my early 30s um something about the rebel archetype and I looked at them mm-hmm. with a really confused face and I was like what do you mean <laughs> like, I just didn't get it like I couldn't even fathom that there was this like archetype because I was that I was so identified with it you know yeah (laughs) so for me the whole uh, and that that was a really important part of 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 my journey to 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 be in that rebellion for so long because because especially the experiences I had in school of not of feeling that my my innocence was not listened to and cared for in the way that you describe that you bring a, that, a level of sensitivity to with the children that you work with, Rochelle, um, that I felt like the only way to not lose myself in an identity that I was being asked to be was to create an opposite identity. And mm-hmm. and and even though it wasn't who I was, at least it was one that I chose. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Would you say, though, that underneath that, there was also something that was saying no to something? Like underneath that, that, yeah, or or what? what underneath oh, yeah. the initial, that, like <laughs> or the initial, sure. <laughs> or the initial instinct. You know, the initial. Like, I, I just would be curious if underneath that was a place that felt like that space wasn't making space for you, for you, for essence. You know. I, I missed it. Are you asking? Do I think there's a kind of no in in re- in rebellion? Yeah, or like what's underneath the archetype. So there's the outter archetype, you know. And uh, I just, yeah, but I'd yeah. be curious about what's underneath that, though. 
Oh, underneath the identity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The curiosity. Of That's that. a beautiful inquiry. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I found, I found my creativity underneath that. Uh huh. That was that, and and I learned a lot, and I I got a lot of permission to be rebellious through Osho as well. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. And through the through the Osho field, um, mm-hmm. the way that he contextualized rebellion, it was like I had full permission to be that, and at the same time to recognize that there was that I could use it in in ways that were less destructive. Uh-huh. You know? Um yeah. it's like how do I use my rebellion? Do I use my rebellion to um to try to maintain control? Um mm-hmm. constantly trying to maintain control because I constantly feel unsafe with everything that's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Or do I use my rebellion in more um because I think rebellion can also be a yes, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. I think in its in its reactivity, mm-hmm. it's a no, but it can really be a yes to, you know, if you experience mm-hmm. something you don't feel is genuine or authentic. Mm, to create can... that creativity underneath the fresh, yeah. uh-huh. freshness. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like well, this the, the... is where. Sorry, yeah. go on. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I just what I'm hearing is is that. But like we were talking before, like is something getting stuck? So it's like if if the rebel and the rebellion is something stuck, it's like a, a a static constant thing that we're relying on, and it's not an alive part of a whole array of experience. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like that energy of rebellion is like is a part of wildness, but it's just a part. Mm-hmm. You know, is what what I'm hearing in the yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, this is what I am, and this is where I sit, and this is how I deal with things. You know. Mm-hmm. And and I think in rebellion too, there's an aspect of that that is not really your own self will. Like it's a it's just going mm-hmm. against something that's there. So really, that's not preserving that alignment with the greater cosmos. It's sort of still just reacting to something that you're not wanting. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Right. A reaction as opposed to like a creative, like, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An authentic. I think it's alignment. also, a, I think it's also a longing to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's what it was for me for a very long time. I felt like I didn't have the boundaries that I needed. And the only way that I could create the boundaries that I needed was through rebellion because it gave me some sense of having boundaries when actually deep down I didn't have any. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to and like to create enough space because what I kept thinking of is in a way that rebellion can be to create enough space for essence to emerge, you know, mm. like for yeah. because I you know, enough space for, and I know in my own experience of rebellion, because similar to you, like in my twenties, I was like an activist. And, but I think what was happening is I was, I was in my evolution, I was creating space to finally have enough space for essence to, to, um, but to, to create enough space for that, I had to rebel against these ideas of working a full-time job and like all just all these things you know um 
which I, I feel had a root in my essence. It was my essence calling me home, mm-hmm. but okay. I had to understand, I, I had to understand that that was just a step on the journey. Like that exactly. wasn't the journey, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, exactly. was, that was, yes. and, and, and I do feel there was a mm-hmm. tremendous wild wisdom in it because it was like bringing me back, but I had yes. to keep harvesting yes. and I had to keep, and I, I'm grateful to that, that, rebellious me because it got me to a life where I'm in the woods yes. and I'm swimming in the rivers and I'm, and that I needed that rebellious me to do yes. that. And and it was uncomfortable yeah. and it made people mad. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it was a step it, along the way. Hey, yeah. yeah. And then now, but then now it's like, I'm emerging into, well, here's my essence and here's where I get to practice actually being that and not fighting for it but being it oh i really love that because i it makes me think of what are the ways if we can sit and think of what are the ways that our essence is calling us home right now Mm. what are what's happening in our lives that we can recognize Mm. that our essence is calling us home is it how we're rebelling or the things that we're taking action on or the things that we're resisting, just holding that in the wondering for us and for our listeners. Mm. It's on a completely different track now with that inquiry. Mm. Um, Yeah, I really love this question how is my essence calling me home right now? And for some people, maybe that looks like, you know, anxiety or it looks like depression that's telling you, you can't take another step in this direction. It's not your direction Mm -hmm. or... I think it can show yeah. up in so many ways. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think sometimes there's this tendency with, um, you know, the spiritual world or the world of kind of personal spiritual growth in different areas where you somebody listens to a teacher or somebody speaking about consciousness and and they're immediately trying to trying to work out how they can get from where they are directly mm-hmm. to directly to the experience of essence. Mm-hmm. And some, and somehow everything else, it's not right, mm-hmm. you know. All of that is mm-hmm. not right. That you know, completely mm-hmm. like re- reject the journey, just get to the essence, and then it when just life, becomes a whole. Life speaking to you the whole way in little voices, yeah, everywhere, exactly, or really yeah, loud yeah. voices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, asking you yeah. to return I right back. Now, um, ask you to return. I know right now for me, I'm being asked to look at my this place where I feel anger at misuse of power by the masculine and it's calling me back to my, my, uh, my essence of masculine. Like this is what I'm being and my, my connection with, with the masculine and the father energy and the, and, and, and wildness is calling me there. It's like, it's actually the wild feminine that's calling me there. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to dance dance with that part of myself as I as I experience it outside of me and inside me. She's like, this is needed. You need to learn about authority and discipline and 
the masculine. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I get this image. It's almost like the gift this is obviously just one image, but it's like the gift of what the essence of wildness, the beauty of wildness, it's like right in front of us. And then right in front of that, there is this, what you just named as like authority, discipline, uh, uh -huh. you might call it the patriarch in a way. And, and wildness is, and it's, and the patriarch is transparent and wildness is kind of doing this and asking you to walk through this gateway. And you're like, Mm, isn't there a way to like go around like <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh. and the why, why do you like, think nope, this is where I'm taking you this is where I'm taking you yeah, yeah. Taking this is why yeah. Bi bypassing is so popular <laughs> yeah. go around <laughs> I know go, go. <laughs> yeah go around go around the, the negative feelings thing. Gotta go through.